Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Folt, sitting here as always, my main man and co-host, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, Folt. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's 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 glad. I'm glad to be back in the saddle again and uh, doing another podcast. It's been some time. Yeah, it sure has been. It has been some time. Um, we do want to apologize uh, for the delay on getting uh, some podcasts out to you, but um, it's not that we haven't been busy and working on things, though. Oh, that's for sure. We have, uh, well, within recently, within the last week and a half, we put on a live show, actually, that we were invited to. It was our first live show. It was our first live show. Um Steve has some connections through uh, the Masonic Lodge, the Masonic Masons. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And uh, and we brought you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Steve thought it was a good idea when he got the uh, invitation. He said, uh, well, let me check with my co-host. And he asked, and I was like, come again? We're going to perform where? And I was like, we got invited to speak at a gathering at the Freemasons Masonic Lodge. So you know, we were all about that. Um, we had a great time. Uh, we want to thank the uh, Susquehanna. Yep, Susquehanna Masonic Lodge in Millersburg. Uh, fantastic time, great hosts. Uh, Fultz, I got to say, you put on a heck of a show. Oh, that's right back at you, brother. Um, I mean, we were solid. We had a great communication going back and forth. Uh, we had some difficulty with uh, with our slideshow right at one point which is when steve came in clutch and just kept the crowd entertained while i figured this thing out it was probably a minute but it seemed like it was like 10 yeah i mean we had a bunch of material set up and in the live show we knew we probably weren't going to hit all of the stuff and you know what it was just kind of like me finishing the part that i was really practicing to do beforehand it was i was talking about our mics i was talking about the difference between uh if you've ever seen like joe rogan how he uses the mic that it'll just pick up anything in the room uh it's like a condenser mic or a compression mic or something and our mics which are directional mics are more like rock and roll mics right so the so that so we're not picking up other sounds from <clears throat> things that are going on maybe outside of the studio people working in other side parts of the building uh, they're not. We're not picking it up on our mics. So I just pretty much explained that while Fultz got all of the slideshow bugs worked out, and then uh, we kicked them in the teeth with Mandela effect. Yeah, and it was uh, it was really something special because I had said to Steve before going in to do this live show, if we don't do anything else except for make somebody question or make them want to go look up the information that we were talking about, we did our job. Now. Um, Obviously, with not mentioning any names, um, we had to we had to go up and set up the night before, and uh, you know, just you know, guys being guys wanting to go home. We overheard one of the guys saying to the other guy, "I'm not looking forward to this tomorrow night. I don't like listening to anything about Masons. I don't like doing anything but talking about Masonry and Mason stuff." Um, I won't say the conversation I had with the gentleman because it would give it away if he's listening, but uh, I'll just say he had a full turn heart and he loved our performance and he was all about it and talking to us nonstop after the show. Yeah, I mean, you walk into a place like like that and you've, you've got a lot of serious looking faces at you and uh, five minutes into the performance, uh, those faces changed just into smiling like 
kids again. Like they were having fun, like kids. Yeah, and I think one of the highlights of the night for me was actually being able to be standing there in the Masonic Lodge and be able to drop the words conspiracy theory. Uh, I was describing a little bit about me and Steve's background, and I was telling them, you know, some people may even call us conspiracy theorists because of the topics that we described, and then I started going through them. I'm so I'm sure some of the older gentlemen in there were probably like, "Who invited these guys, the fox, into the hen house?" Yeah, they they let you in, Fultz. <laughs> <laughs> they did, but you know what? I have nothing but respect for those guys. Um, they were very gracious to us and treated us with nothing but respect uh, during the whole the whole time that we were there doing our whole procession for them it, it was an absolute pleasure to do a live show with it you was too, man. it was so fun and uh if you gave if the susquehanna masonic lodge ever wants to invite us back we would be happy to come and do another show for you guys absolutely so thank you all for that all right man so, on to some new stuff yeah, yeah so switching gears um steve and i have been talking recently um we have little children who you know we tend to like to uh it's starting to get nice out again so we like to take them out on walks and take them out on night you know the the stars are starting to become visible when you start seeing the moon and we were talking about how crazy it is that recently there's all kinds of different topics about the moon like don't miss the blood moon don't miss the super full moon don't miss the moon that's going to engulf the earth a super blood moon yeah when we had the eclipse this past year you know don't don't look at it because you'll you you know you go blind i can remember being a kid early elementary school maybe third grade maybe second that the last time one of those was i remember going out in the playground now today i don't even know if they would let kids out on the playground but they were just told don't look at the sun when you go out there kids you'll go blind yeah, they, you made like a little pinhole on a piece of paper, and you're supposed yeah. to look at the shadow. Yeah, and oh man, so many times it just as a kid being told don't do that. You're gonna do it. Oh, I wanted to, but then I was like blind. <laughs> 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 I think I think this is one of the times where I'm gonna respect my elders and listen. So, but having said that, there is a lot of talk about moons lately within the last you know. I don't remember this kind of stuff when I was a kid. I don't remember blood. Maybe it's just because I'm young, but I, I was young, but I don't remember blood moons, super full moons, and all this kind of stuff. It seems like there's more of that stuff out there right now. Harvest moon, t- you know, tidal pool on a moon. Like, there's just a lot of moon talk out there. Right. So, what we decided to do was, okay, let's take a little closer look at the moon. Subtle beast style. Um, now, granted, in past podcasts, we did discuss the moon and you know some hypotheses that we have and that we shared with uh with other people and we covered it briefly because it was on a different topic but uh tonight we're going to break into whether or not uh, the moon is you know what nasa and scientists say it is is it this rock formation that just came into earth's gravitational pool is it a part of earth's atmosphere or is it in fact a hollow object with maybe more sinister or maybe more uh, advanced reasoning for being where it is. And if it is hollow, what is inside it, if anything? Right. Is and where? why is it here? And so that's what we're going to dive into first. So um, we're going to give you a little bit of a hypothesis on what people refer to as a hollow moon. Now, the hollow moon hypothesis or a spaceship moon hypothesis, it proposes that the Earth's moon is either wholly wholly hollow or otherwise contains substantial interior space. Uh, 
Evidence exists to support the idea. Seismatic observations and other data collected since spacecraft began to orbit or land on the moon indicate that it has a thin crust, extensive mantle, and small, dense core. Although overall, it has mus- it's much less dense than Earth. Now, the hollow moon hypothesis is suggesting that the moon is hollow, usually as a product of an alien civilization. It is often called the spaceship moon hypothesis and often corresponds with beliefs in UFOs or ancient astronauts. The suggestion of hollow moon first appeared in science fiction when H.G. Wells wrote about a hollow moon in his 1901 book, The First Men in the Moon. The concept of hollow planets was not new. Wells borrowed from earlier fictional works that described a hollow Earth, such as the 1741 novel Niels Klim Underground Travels by Ludwig Holberg. Now, there, uh, there is also... Uh, the, now, the moon being hollow, is, it's usually described in the media as what we're just talking about as being nothing more than a, than a conspiracy theory. But the concept of the moon as a spaceship is often mentioned as one of uh, David Icke's beliefs. And David Icke, we're uh, big fans of here in Subtle Beast. Um, I guess you'd call him a, a ufologist or a uh, ancient astronaut theorist. But David Icke, is, he's one of the biggest in the field. And for him to come out and make these claims, that's really something. I agree. So, but that's not where it stops. I mean, we, we claims and rebuttals. Um, in, in 1970, Michael Vassen and Al- Alexander Shishkirkov of what was then the Soviet Academy of Science advanced a hypothesis that the moon is a spaceship created by unknown beings. The article was entitled, Is the Moon the Creation of Alien Intelligence? and was published in Sputnik, which is the Soviet Union's equivalent of, uh, to the Reader's Digest. Now, their hypothesis relies heavily on the suggestion that large lunar craters, generally assumed to be formed from meteor impact, are generally too shallow and have a flat or even convex bottom. They hypothesize that the small meteors are making a cup-shaped depression in the rocky surface of the moon, while the larger meteors are drilling through a rocky layer and hitting an armored hull underneath. Huh. Which is very interesting. Now, well, I like that. I do, too. But the fact that the moon is less dense than the Earth is, is advanced as support for it to be hollow. The moon... The moon's mean density is 3.3 grams centimeters squared, whereas the Earth is 5.5 grams centimeters squared. Is it squared? Cubed. Cubed, sorry. One explanation of this discrepancy is that the moon may have been formed by a giant impact, which ejected from some of earlier Earth's upper crust into its orbit. The Earth's upper mantle and crust are less dense than its core. I always thought that that was the case. Like the the stuff that makes up the moon was the same stuff that makes up the Earth, and it was like a chunk of it that just came off. Right, but I mean, it, it, it's interesting because for that chunk to come off, for for the Earth to be as perfectly round as it is, and and all that, I mean, it's just it's not showing to be true. Uh, with the research that we've done, the stuff that's on the moon is not naturally occurring on the earth it's different stuff right like our earth has uh dirt and certain metals and the moon has completely different metals completely different substances that are on the moon right now there there is some scientific proof uh cornell university uh 
they had this program called Ask an Astronomer that was run by volunteers in the astronomy department. And they answered questions. Can we prove that the moon is hollow? Uh, the the physicist Sunadi Kuralakaki suggests that there are at least two ways to determine the distribution of mass within a body. One involves moment of inertia parameters. The other involves seismic observations. In the case of the former, Kuruntilaki points out that the moment of inertia parameters indicate that the core of the moon is both dense and small, with the rest of the moon consisting of material with nearly constant density. As for the latter, he knows that the moon is the only planetary body besides Earth on which extensive seismic observations have been made. These observations have constrained the thickness of the moon's crust, mantle, and core, suggesting it could be hollow. That's fantastic. That is. So, you know, we're just we're just starting to crack the base here of some different theories of is is the moon what is it? is the moon solid like the earth? Is the moon hollow? What is it? Let's get it back into the meat. Steve, do you want to take this portion right here for us? Yeah. I mean, this this is uh, a little bit about is the moon an artificial satellite? Uh, the moon is often described as having divine feminine energy the female counterpart to our sun. It is a source of cosmic phenomenon, providing us with beautiful eclipses, changing tides, and hopefully a future staging point for missions to Mars and beyond. But when we start to look at the moon, we get a closer look, a number of characteristics suggest that it might be hollow, and there might be a secret base on the moon. Dun, dun, dun. The moon is a little more than one quarter the size of the Earth, another bizarre characteristic compared to any other natural satellite in our cosmic region. Of the moons in our solar system, ours is the fifth largest. No other planet that we are aware of has a moon that is proportionately big as ours. All the other planets with moons that size are massive gas giants. Neptune the closest in size with a moon that big is four times the size of Earth. So basically, our moon is an anomaly. It, it, do, it doesn't it fit. Can't be explained by physics. It doesn't uh, fit into any of its sister planets of any of the size uh, in comparison to the planet, regardless of whether it's uh, a planet like Mars, which is solid, or, or a gas giant. The physics should be the same. It's big. It's real big, and I'll tell you how big it is. All right. The moon is about 2,100 miles in diameter, compared to the Earth's nearly 8,000-mile diameter, yet the mass of the moon is only 1.2% of the Earth's. So that doesn't make sense. If it's 2,100 miles in diameter, the Earth's 8,000 miles in diameter, but it only has a mass of 1.2%, where is all the other mass at? Yeah, exactly. While, while the volume of the moon is only 2% of the Earth's. After NASA conducted these tests, it concluded that the moon has a similar composition to our planet, although significantly less dense. With a 31-mile crust of mineral... Uh, Plagioclase. Plagioclase, a mantle of olivine and pyroxene, and a very small core of iron and sulfur... But when the Apollo astronauts first went to the moon, they had difficulty drilling into the surface of the craters, which are anomalies in themselves. Craters are thought to be the result of meteorologic and asteroid impacts, 
meaning there should be a certain proportion between their depth and width. Instead, many wider craters have similar depths to significantly narrower craters, with some even appearing convex. And when astronauts attempted to drill into the craters, they were barely able to penetrate the surface, discovering processed metals like brass, mica, and pure titanium. That's crazy, because if all of the craters, regardless of size, all have the same depth, that would mean that there is some type of barrier preventing anything, no matter the size and speed of impact, from going any deeper into the moon's surface. Yeah, it's like it's got a crust on the outside, and once you hit that, uh, what you know, the liner, it, that's all the farther you can go. And I would have to say that, obviously, if that was the case, I mean, man, here on Earth, I don't believe that we have this the substance that could repel meteors the size of a city coming at uh, hundreds of thousands of miles and hitting the moon. And the fact that the moon hasn't gotten knocked out of its orbit either, I mean, by some of these craters. I mean, the cr- some of these craters are hundreds of miles wide and hundreds of miles deep, but I guess the Earth didn't either, though, when it got impacted. Back the Earth is, is so dependent on the moon that if the moon did get knocked off of its orbit, it would knock the Earth off of our orbit. Right. You know, now, but there, along with um, the impacts and the seismographic information that's coming out on uh, the moon being an anomaly. They're also saying that the, uh, the question arises, is the moon a spaceship or is the moon a secret moon base? Now, in 1970, two Soviet astronomers had been studying the satellite and theorized that it's likely a hollow moon put in place by a highly advanced extraterrestrial race. Their theory was based on these observable anomalies, claiming the moon was an artificial shell that had been inhabited internally thousands and maybe possibly millions of years ago. While it might seem far-fetched that we're being surveilled by extraterrestrial race on the moon or that a hollow moon may have been intentionally placed in Earth's orbit as a secret moon base, there are a plethora of inexplicable facts about its relationship to the Earth. To this day, there are several theories that exempt or that attempt to explain how the moon ended up orbiting our planet, though none of them have been absolutely accept, accepted, leading many to believe that the moon is a spaceship. That is fascinating. That is really fascinating. And, you know, and I have to, I have to bring up uh, my man, John Lear, who is a, uh, he's big into the field that Subtle Beast is into. He's really, uh, he's really leading the way up there with guys like Stephen Greer and such. But uh, John Lear is the son of the famous Lear jet. Um, John Lear, he flew jets. He has more FAA awards um, than anybody in history. Um, he used to work for the CIA. He used to do fly missions for the CIA. And now he's coming out as, a, well, some would call a whistleblower, but he's just telling us the truth. And one of the things that he has to say to, about the moon was um, that, and, and some past cultures have actually talked about this, and we may talk about that. I believe we have some information on that uh, later on in the podcast. But what... Uh, what John Lear had to say was that the moon was artificially constructed. Now, he said it was constructed over 40,000 years ago out near um, like Neptune or Uranus. 
and that it was uh it is a spaceship and it is like a spaceport almost like the death star in star wars and that it's towed around to different uh galaxies and such and it observes certain planets that need to be watched to watch their development until they become uh what an et would refer to as a level one civilization at which point then you can travel interstellarly they don't have to worry about you know starting wars and such so he's saying that then it was towed into earth and then it's been it's been there since maybe it's construction 40 30,000 years ago and what i was telling steve was uh that there is a religion i think i think it was the zulus uh and i think we we mentioned that briefly maybe a little bit lo- uh, later on in the podcast but i think it was the zulus that they recall of a time before the moon and when you check out these the writings uh of the zulus talking about a time before the moon those writings go back to be about 30,000 years ago. So it kind of lines up in that time frame with John Lear talking about the moon being created, you know, within our galaxy about 40,000 years ago. The Zulus saying that 30,000 years ago there wasn't a moon. I mean, they, obviously the times could be off, but they kind of line up. Which is written, and you and the artifacts, the hieroglyphics, even Egyptian hieroglyphics, you, you see the pictures of their civilizations and they're pointing to like uh, an E.T. I mean, it's clearly an E.T. Well, sure. One of my uh, more favorite pictures that, that I like online that I saw that talks about Egypt is they, they simply have, uh, they simply write, they drew it because they saw it. And there's a picture of an ox and then they show a picture of what an ox looks like. And then they show a picture of what an Egyptian drew as probably a gray ET. And then they show it beside you. That's how they communicated. They drew it because they saw it. They, they, they show pictures of their uh, people staring up at the sky and there's flying objects in the sky. And at that time, there was no flying objects in the sky. Sure. And, 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 and what you have to think back to, um, let's because contrary to what our what our history books like to teach us um people mankind have been on the earth for longer than uh, what they're saying i mean it's been a couple hundred thousand years that you know man has been occupying the earth uh, other than being a monkey so um it's interesting fact to think about so one theory that i heard with with people being on um on the earth for 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 hundreds of thousands of years is that um when these ancient people used to describe uh like fiery dragons coming down out of the sky you have to think if this was maybe 250 300,000 years ago well maybe the the ET's technology at that time was they had those type of engines so they could see fiery uh, it looked like it reminded them of a fire-breathing dragon and such as it was landing and it was making lots of noise because those ETs 250,000 years ago they hadn't got to the point of uh, of silent antigravitic crafts so they were they were evolving just as we are with our rockets and such so that's why some of the ancients would would draw the things the way that they would they drew it because they saw it and time to ETs is completely different to than time for humans. Well, sure, because man created time. Right. So they think of time in a much different way than you or I think of time. 
Exactly. So, okay, well, let's get back here on the moon. Um, now, without the moon orbiting precisely, precisely where it is, it's possible that life on Earth wouldn't even exist, or at least wouldn't have evolved to the point that it has. Now, it's estimated that less than 10% of all terrestrial plants in the universe have an Earth-to-moon ratio like ours, which provides the stability necessary to maintain a climate that can harbor life. Now, the size of the moon is such that it affects our axle tilt, or the way that the Earth wobbles on its axis, changing by a single degree over the course of thousands of years. Now, this regulation to one degree of movement is necessary for climatic stability. Without the moon's balance, the Earth could tilt as much as 85 degrees every million years or so, causing drastic changes. Now, this would adjust the orientation of the Earth to the sun so significantly that it would shift to be situated directly over the poles rather than the equator where it currently is. Life could not evolve during such radical shifts. Oh, yeah, because on the poles, it'd be hot, and every it, everything would be messed up. Right. It's not It's not a like spinning basketball on somebody's finger. Right. The Earth is tilted at a 40, what is it, 45-degree angle. Yeah. Or a 90-degree angle, and that's what produces all of our seasons and our summers and our winters and makes it opposite of that in australia right now the earth turns towards the sun every day which gives us day and night but the way that it's tilted down away from the sun and that's where we get our winter months and that's why it's cold because we're not directly facing the sun like we were during the summer months so uh is the moon artificial steve there's two ways that planets typically acquire moons through accretion or capture I think that's accretion. Accretion, yep. The process of capturing a moon is just like it sounds. A moon will drift into the orbit of a planet and become trapped in its gravitational field. In the process of accretion, the moon is formed at the same time as the planet from the accretion disk of the solar system. But this theory has been widely dismissed due to the differences in core composition and the fact that the moon is almost a billion years older than the Earth. In fact, the mineral composition of rocks found on the surface of the moon varies drastically from those found on Earth. The abundance of titanium is one example of such an anomaly, with certain lunar samples containing up to 10% of this precious mineral. The highest abundance of titanium-rich minerals on Earth has never exceeded 1%. There are other processed metals found on the moon, like mica, and brass, as well as the presence of radioactive elements like uranium-236 and neptunium, which are found, which none of those are found naturally on Earth. These moon rocks sent back from the rover presented another surprise. They were magnetized. Scientists were baffled when they, having previously assumed that the moon had never had a magnetic field. The Earth's magnetism is thought to be the product of an internal dynamo in which the rotating, convecting, and electrically conducting liquid iron in the middle of the Earth generates the field. However, the moon wasn't believed to have a core large enough to generate this type of dynamo mechanism. So the moon rocks are magnetized. Right. And if they're not matching anything on Earth with as close as the Earth is and the moon getting hit and all this different debris coming off and could enter into our atmosphere but those type of materials aren't found on earth well i mean that goes hand in hand with um 
what um, John Lear was saying about it being built maybe out towards Neptune or Uranus or and that they were touring the different galaxies observing. So, yeah, maybe all these elements are coming from outside of our specific Milky Way galaxy. That's completely possible. I mean, it has a different comp- a core composition than our Earth does. Right. Now, w- this next section is is talking it goes in a little bit about what I was just talking about earlier about the Zulus. Now, according to Zulu legend, our hollow moon was put in place by two brothers with scaly fish-like skin. The legend tells of Wawain and Mapanku who caught the moon, who brought the moon to earth after stealing it from a great fire dragon. They said to have emptied out the egg-like satellite of its yoke, subsequently piercing it in orbit around the earth. Prior to this, the planet was said to have been shrouded in a sheath of watery mist, which came raining down to earth from the moon and came into our orbit. Now that's very interesting. Yeah, the rainy mist coming falling down. Right. So some believe that uh, this deluge or this amount of water may be a reference to the great flood that destroyed the antediluvian civilizations. The two brothers mentioned bear similar characteristics to Inki and Aleel of the ancient Sumerian lore, who were responsible for instituting the first civilizations of man and are often depicting wearing fish garb. So if you go back and you, if you go online and you pick and uh, type in the Sumerian uh, texts and, or Inki and Aleel, they, they have like these fish covered, like, I almost want to say hats and their and their and the, and their bodies are coming across as scaly. So maybe what these people are describing as being like fish like are what some people refer to as the reptilian races. Uh, that's quite possible. Right. Um another uh, strange characteristic recorded on the moon from one of Apollo 14's LSEPs or A L S E P was the presence of cloud of water vapor on the moon. After 40 years, NASA reported finding the presence of water and rock samples brought back from these missions, stating that the discovery would change how we think about the moon. A further examination showed that this water had twice the levels of deuterium isotope compared to water found on Earth. Furthermore, they said there was a reason to believe that there are 600 million tons of water trapped in the craters on the moon. Now, at the time of Apollo 14's discovery of water vapor, NASA claimed that it was the result of ruptured water tanks that had leaked earth water into the atmosphere. Now, this cloud of vapor covered 100 square miles and lingered for 14 hours before dissipating, making NASA's explanation improbable. Considering the tanks that they were transferring to only contained between 60 and 100 pounds of water, NASA also claimed that the water from the ruptured tank simultaneously burst, though they were 100 miles apart. Why would they make such an absurd claim, and why did it take 40 years to analyze and discover water in these rock samples brought back from the Apollo missions? Could the water be coming from uh, an internal source, perhaps one that NASA doesn't want us to know about? That's what I think, Steve. I agree with you 100%. That that little amount of water that was on the spaceship couldn't have covered 100 square miles. No, And, and see, that's where you just have to you have to know who you're dealing with now i mean we're dealing with nasa which if if you're all familiar with you know how nasa got started it was in all part of project paperclip bringing over the nazis and everything basically nasa's was designed to be to be a front for the real um secret space program so 
NASA's going to try and give the, the general public, you know, a bunch of crap that they know that they're going to buy because, well, these people aren't scientists. So all we have to do is give them an explanation. I mean, look at some of the explanations you get on the media. And people just accept it as fact. I mean, it was two water tanks. They burst. Well, how far away? It was about 100 miles. And they both burst simultaneously. Yeah. How far apart were they? They were 100 miles. But and it's just like... <laughs> And they'll just, I mean, they're just like politicians. They say nothing, but they, well, they say everything and answer nothing. Crazy. Yeah, they just tell, they, they just give you a reason, you know, to believe what they're saying. Sure. I mean, and, and, and for there to be water on the moon, uh, I think that goes hand in hand with another one of uh, the things that John Lear and uh, one of his buddies who's a scientist they when they were observing the moon they were starting to see like this green like glow over almost like 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 a mist pro- similar to uh the aurora about borealis here on earth and they couldn't figure out why so um john lear's friends started studying it now i can't recall all the technical terms and everything but basically what his friend ended up saying the only way that we would see that green effect up there on the moon would be that there is a breathable atmosphere on the moon and John Lear has, I think I said it earlier, has has stated that in the past that over 250,000 people at one time are living on the moon, but he's up that now to uh, well over 2 million after, you know, years in between both of these uh, interviews. But, so, I mean, it's crazy to, I mean, you got guys like John Lear, who's obviously not a crackpot or he would never would have worked for the CIA saying that there's over 2 million people living on the moon, maybe not just earthlings, but, uh, you know, extraterrestrials working hand in hand. It could be, it could very well be a place for, you know, humans or others to meet. Yeah. And it could just turn out to be just like, uh, the death star from uh star wars it could it could actually be exactly like that i mean if they're saying the moon is hollow death star like an alien base so uh, this has been said by um and and proved by some shocking google imagery um let's see what we got many scientists agree that uh the size of the moon is one of our solar system's biggest anomalies now, physicists have been unable to explain why a planet the size of Earth has a moon of such a large size in comparison. Our moon would be expected to be about 40 miles in diameter, but it's closer to 2,000 miles. It's huge. It's huge. Now, one of the latest to make staggering claim is a man by the name of Scott C. Waring. He's the editor of UFO Sightings Daily. Now, he claimed to have found proof of the moon being hollow on the Google Moon system, which allows users... Uh, the, the Google Moon system, which allows users to explore its surface online in the same way as Google Earth. Now, in a blog entitled Shadow Structures, Proof of Hollow Moon Theory, he wrote, Welcome to Shadow Structures of Earth's Moon. These are large structures hidden in the shadows of the dark side of the moon and polar regions, locations that are hard to view from Earth. The structures are proof that the moon is actually a hollow space station created by ancient aliens long before Earth was created. Look at the high, perfect detail of the surrounding area. You will know that this is not pixelation, but 100% authentic structures found hidden within the shadows. And all I did was add a smidgen of light to the photos. The rest is all moon. So if you want to see Scott C. Waring's photos, you should go out online because uh, they are pretty compelling. I mean, they do show structures on the moon. And, uh, yeah, and 
I believe what I see. Yeah, those pictures are awesome. Right. Now, David Icke, um, he's even stated that they have, they have no bloody clue where the, moon came, where the moon came from, but it shouldn't be there by physics. The Earth not only has a satellite, but is a giant satellite. Some scientists don't talk about a planet-moon relationship, but a planet-planet relationship? The moon's bigger than Pluto. The moon is bigger than Pluto? The moon is bigger than Pluto. I mean, and so they wanted to axe Pluto as a planet, and our moon is bigger than it, and it's just, oh. Our moon should count as a planet. Well, it definitely should. I mean, and that's what we're getting at. And then when we get to the hollow moon, uh, this is what I'm saying, and others have said it's hollowed out planetoid. This is uh, what David Icke was saying. Now, these two Russian scientists from the Society Academy of Science wrote an article in 1970 in Sputnik magazine, like we said earlier, in Russia, uh, is the moon the creation of alien intelligence? And all these years later, it indicates to the fact that they were right, is what most are saying. Now, Steve, why don't you get a little bit about, you know. I'll give them the latest evaluations. Yeah, do that. So the latest evaluations claim the moon has a solid steel inner core, but according to NASA, that solid core is 150 miles in diameter. The rest of the core is pure conjecture. But even if they are right, the moon has the smallest core of any planet or moon in our entire solar system. Outside the cores of the largest region of the moon, called the mantle, the lunar mantle extends up to a distance of only 50 kilometers or 31 miles below the surface of the moon. Scientists believe that the mantle of the moon is composed of the minerals olivine, orthopexylene, <coughs> and clinoprizine, but they admit this is pure specula speculation. It could be made of structures, uh, a mesh of some kind, or anything else that would fill the void of a hollow moon. Remember, claiming the moon is hollow is not to say the same as that it is empty. That small steel core could be anything, including an energy source. The big question is, what is the mantle really made of? And why is it so light? And then there's the crust that rings like a bell. This was discovered when the Apollo astronauts sent their lunar landing module crashing back into the moon's surface so they could test the artificial earthquake with monitoring devices left behind. So the next big question is, does the moon's crust have a steel base that rings like a bell? This is what Fultz and I were talking about earlier. If so, then we have an artificial moon. A moon that is positioned perfectly to help life on Earth. A moon that creates a perfect eclipse of the sun. We need to have another look. Perhaps the Chinese can check out the back entrance and give it a knock. And what we're saying right there is the Chinese are now sending up these uh, lunar uh, expeditions and explorations. Uh, they've got something circling the moon, I think, as we speak. Yeah, well, they got a rover that's on the moon right now. That's incredible. Yeah, like Chang-1 or something it's called. So, okay, so let's see. Now, there are some uh, some photos out there from NASA, and they're saying, are these NASA photos proof of alien buildings on the moon? Is there proof of aliens on the moon right under our very noses? Well, a YouTuber who goes by the name of Street Cap One 
believes that he found evidence that intelligent beings exist or have previously existed on the surface of the moon. Now, this discovery comes from studying a detailed photograph that was taken by the Lunar Orbiter back on December 2016. Now, StreetCap 1's video shows of an enormous structure that's jutting out of the side of the moon, which stands in stark contrast to the flat environment that surrounds the anomaly on all sides. Now, while the picture is a little on the blurry side, it looks suspiciously like the structure might have straight sides to it, suggesting that it could be an artificial structure of some kind. Now, StreetCap 1 believes may well, or this StreetCap 1 believes may well be proof that alien life was created and technology which has been left on the moon waiting to be discovered he suggests that the moon may also feature a large sprawling mining facility that he apparently has proof of but he hasn't seen fit to release at this time it's it's slightly blurred because it's taken from space around 60 miles high there have been no adjustments made and i think this looks like a building i could be wrong but it shows right angles and evidence of intelligent design street cap one told the express there is uh, a lot of questionable structures on the moon and on mars and we just haven't had the optics up until now to really get a good view of it. Yeah, I mean, his pictures are good. I mean, and this Street Cap 1, I mean, he's so confident that he's even said, go get the skeptics. Try and debunk this. You won't be able to. That is crazy. Yeah. So, but moving right along here, um, what is the, is the moon an artificial structure? Research shows the moon is hollow. Still more document uh, documentary on this earth's moon is shrouded in mystery it's such a mysterious celestial body that we can't actually explain why it even exists without it however life on earth may never have been developed what makes earth's celestial companion so mysterious robin brett a scientist from nasa stated it seems easier to explain the non-existence of the moon than its existence i like that i like that too Now, Earth's moon is a fascinating place, yet for some reason, after the Apollo program was shut down, we never returned to the lunar surface, nor have space agencies around the world given it much thought or any thought. However, numerous researchers firmly believe the Earth's moon is actually a terraformed and engineered piece of hardware that has a three-mile-thick outer layer of dust and rocks. Beneath this... It is said that beneath this protective layer that the moon has a solid shell of around 20 miles made of highly resistant materials such as titanium, uranium-236, mica, and and, and neptunium-237, which again can be found on the moon, not Earth. These elements are most definitely not the kind of stuff that you would expect to find inside the moon. The idea that the moon may not be what we what it seems may sound ludicrous to many, but to many people, they're convinced. The moon's numerous anomalies that Earth's satellite is not only hollow, but an artificially engineered object created by an advanced alien race millions of years ago. The theories are countless. Some have come forward suggesting that due to the fact that there is an extremely high and unusual composition of elements that do not occur naturally on the moon, Earth's satellite is engineered. I'll agree with that. I agree with that. The strange thick crust of the moon is filled with a large concentration of precious metals, uranium, which has been enriched to a never-seen-before quality. NASA seems to have proven it, sort of, in 1969. 
the American Space Agency created a cataclysmic crash on the lunar surface in order to study how Earth's satellite would react to it. And due to the size of the crash, moonquakes occurred on the lunar surface, and to the surprise of many, the moon reverberated. Wow. Now, this small experiment has led to the creation of numerous theories and myths about the moon. One of them is that the moon is unnaturally lit and did not have a natural core. Strangely, according to scientists, the moon's concentration of mass is located at a series of points which are found below its surface. Now, Ken Johnson, a supervisor of the data and photo control department, the moon not only rang like a bell, but the whole moon wobbled in such a precise way that it was almost as though it had a gigantic hydraulic damper struts inside of it. And furthermore, from what NASA has been able to figure out, we know that the average density of the moon is 3.34 gram for centimeters, not square, cubed, which strangely, strangely indicates it is an extremely light celestial object. <sighs> now, now, does the moon sound like a bell? Now, although the lunar, the Apollo lunar modules were built for the sole purpose of landing two men on the surface of the moon, their usefulness didn't end after ascending from the lunar surface. NASA used the spent spacecraft for science, directing these modules for controlled crash into the moon. These crashes caused moonquakes. And, and scientists measured the vibrations moving through the moon and found it rings like a bell. The real goal of the seismic experiments was to, was to go figure out the moon's internal structure, measuring how long the reverberations last, how powerful they are, and how big the waves get can reveal the, what the moon is made of. Now, remote seismic stations were instrumental in this investigation, and they were deployed as part of the Apollo Lunar Surface Experiment packages that the astronauts set up on the moon on Apollos 12, 14, 15, and 16. Different versions were deployed on Apollos 11 and 17. From, from when they were first set up to when they were remotely shut down in 1977, these LSEPs recorded all kinds of seismic activity. The data was sent back to receiving stations on Earth where the signal was magnified by 10 million so scientists could interpret the signal. But something interesting happened on Apollo 12. After Pete Conrad and Al Bean landed on the oceans of storms on November 14, 1969, they left the lunar surface 142 hours into the flight. Eight hours later, they were reunited with Dick Gordon in the command module and and sent their spent lunar module back to the moon. It impacted about 40 miles away from the Apollo 12 landing site with the force of one ton of TNT. The resulting shockwave built up and peaked in just eight minutes, and then it took an hour to fully dissipate. Something similar happened on Apollo 13. The SIVB impacted the moon 85 miles away from Apollo 12's LSAP. CMP, Jack Swigert joked at the time that this was the only thing on the mission to go right. The conflict uh, management problem was the CMP. That was the only thing to go right. It hit with the force of 11 and a half tons of TNT. This translated into seismic impact peaked after seven minute with a shock wave 30 times greater and four times longer than those from Apollo 12's lunar module impact. The vibrations from these two impacts lasted longer than scientists expected, far longer than any equivalent vibrations last on Earth. It was almost as if the moon was ringing like a bell. 
This strange result forced scientists to rethink to, to think differently about the moon and its composition. Pretty wild, right? Yeah, man. This this is definitely ringing like a bell. It's it's uh it's kind of proven that it's not what's inside of there is not what we think. Definitely, definitely interesting. Now, what it says is it turns out that these impacts were characteristic of one of four types of moonquakes scientists studied from LSEP data. Some moonquakes originate deep below the surface because of their lunar tides. Some are thermal quakes caused by the sun thawing the frozen surface at the start of a new lunar day, and others are caused by impacting meteors. The fourth, the fourth kind of moonquake is a shallow moonquake occurring roughly a couple of tens of thousands of miles below the surface. The lunar module and the SIVB both produce this kind of vibration, and these are the most violent types of moonquakes. Between 1972 and 1977, scientists recorded 28 shallow moonquakes registering as high as 5.5 on the Richter scale. On Earth, that would move heavy furniture and crack plaster, but the vibrations usually die down in a matter of minutes. It all comes down to water. There's moisture in the materials that makes up our planet, expanding their structure. As energy from the earthquake moves through our planet, that damp material acts like a sponge, absorbing the energy of many waves and ultimately deadening their effects. But the moon is dry, cool, and rigid, more like a solid rock than a sponge. So even if a moonquake is less intense, there's nothing to deaden the vibrations. They just go back and forth through the body until the solid stone eventually stops them. The ringing bell is the shock waves reverberating through that stone. Man, that is, it, it rings like a bell, huh? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, ringing like a bell, that's just one of the uh, crazy things that we were talking about with the fact that it would could have been built in another solar system, towed in. The Zulus remember a time without a moon. Is it a space station? Are they observing us? Is there humans and ETs working there? Uh I think one of the questions we have to ask is, why haven't we been there for the last 40 years? Yeah. I I mean, 50 years. Yeah. I mean... This year should be the 50-year anniversary of Apollo 11. Right. Apollo 11 landed on the the lunar surface, supposedly. Supposedly, so they say. And uh, then we had, you know, six missions or so afterwards, and then we just stopped going. Why why do we stop going to the moon? Well, I don't know. I I mean, the question has been brought up to NASA, and... One of their brilliant answers was, well, we used to have the technology to go to the moon. We don't have it anymore. We wish that we did. It's like, you don't have the technology anymore. That makes zero sense because you should have just been building on top of that technology, improving upon what, what it is you already created. But, of course, and it goes one step further, all of the tapes from all of the Apollo missions from the moon, they're all missing from you know all of the archives. Now, what they said was that they ran out of tape for some things, so they had to tape. They had to tape over. They said it's it was very common in the time. Uh, there wasn't a lot of tape around, so... You have government funding, <laughs> and you have to tape over... The lunar landing. Yeah, the biggest thing that's ever... The most important accomplishment of all of humanity. No one thought to make a copy. No, we can't do that. We got to play Dallas. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, it goes back to um, talking about some of the theories that that John Lear has. And, well, number one, he says that uh, no Apollo astronaut has ever gone to the moon. And what he states is is simply the uh, Van Allen belts, which we've talked about on this podcast before. Now, what he has stated is that E.T., 
put the Van Allen belts out there at the right distance so that, uh, you know, the human beings, I think we talked about this, until they evolve, they're not going to be able to leave this solar system because, you know, we're looked at as warmongers. I mean, they, what, they, they want to detonate, in the past, they wanted to detonate a, a bomb or a thermal nuclear device on the moon. They want to do it again. It's true. The, the United States government wanted to detonate a nuclear bomb, and this is right after we figured out how to make a nuclear bomb exist, on the moon. It, it was part of uh, the Star Wars program. Right, and Reagan even talked about it. He was talking about it on TV, but it got shot, shut down, or did it? I mean, people, people really don't know. Um, the, the substances that occur naturally on the outside of the Van Allen belts are completely different than what the Earth is made up of. Sure. The moon is made up of something different than the Earth is, and it's that close to us, and it's that big. It's an eighth of the size of the Earth. It's another planet that's that close to us. Well, it's like a, the astronaut that was supposed to be in Apollo 1, but he died tragically. He said, look at this lemon. And he used to hang lemons from him and said, look, this thing can't travel through space. He, he basically was calling it a piece of tinfoil. And scientists have said, in order to get through the Van Allen belts, you need at least four feet of lead. Just, thick. just to survive. Just to survive the trip there and back. Do you know how heavy that aircraft would be? Yeah, and the the skin on that uh, Apollo lunar landing module was paper thin. Yeah, and they've even asked astronauts. They're like, well, did you go through the Van Allen belts? And the one astronaut said, oh, well, I don't know. He was like, I don't think we were out that far. He was like, well, the moon's further than the Van Allen belts. He was, oh, yeah. He was like, then I guess we were. And he was like, well, what kind of uh, radioactive protection did was on the hull of the ship and on your suits? And he said, well, none. They would have been cooked. Yeah. The whole thing would have been fried. I'm sorry, people, but it doesn't add up. Now, I'm not saying that we haven't been to the moon. I'm saying we haven't been to the moon the way that they're trying to tell us that we've been to the moon. And we have really no idea what's going on up there. No. Clueless. And you know what? Chances are none of us probably will find out unless, you know, guys like Musk or uh, Richard Branson, who's already giving, you know, space rides, taking right. you up and you can see the earth below you. And That's the only way to do it. They're making rockets that they can propel themselves up into the upper atmosphere so they can see what it's like without right. the shield of NASA, without the cloudy judgment of the government. Right. They can go up there. And if you look at the guys that have made the most money in the world, they are the ones that are creating these rockets so they can go up and see for themselves what's up there. Yeah. And, um, you know, some people might even say, you know, we've had nukes for so long. How come they were never used? Well, they were tried to have been used. I was watching a documentary on the, you know, on the topics that we like to discuss, and they were talking about nuclear devices being launched. Sometimes they were using real ones. Sometimes they were using them with uh, dummy heads on top. But there was a, a film that was leaked, and you see this craft. It's a circular craft come, and it shoots a beam of light into the top of the, the warhead. It shoots it to the side, both sides, and then it shoots from under it. And as soon as it shoots from under it, it zips away, and the warhead just blows up and just tumbles off and the one uh you know commander he turns to the guy and he says what do we have here and he just turns and says i think we have a ufo sir and he's like you're not to talk about this ever again so yeah we've tried to launch nuclear devices et's like uh-uh you're not bringing that out no, here you're not bringing it out you're here savages yeah it's gonna crash into my family's craft as they're driving by <laughs> right you know it's just i mean so these are these are the theories that are out there. I mean, 
typically the truth is stranger than fiction. Uh, we so. got a long way to go as a society. I think the first step is the moon. We need to get back there. We got to get back there. We got to find out what's going on there. And we we just need to expand into space. And we need to cut through all the the bull crap and start getting some, some real answers. I mean, we have just a right to know about what's going on on the space and other planets other than these warmongers that are just trying to create money and more war it's 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 people like um it's people like that we talk about on this podcast it's people like us like subtle beasts it's people like yourselves disclosure is not going to come from the government it's going to come from us we have to do it we have to speak about it we have to make it so hard on them that they have no choice but to be like you know what they already know let's just tell them what we know but you know will we be getting the whole answer who knows but we can't just give up. You got to fight the fight. We got to talk about it. We got to see what's going on. Eventually, the truth always prevails, folks. Eventually, That's right. it's all going to come out. Whatever is done in darkness always comes to light. So, I think I'm going to end it with that. I agree. Well, we had a great time uh, covering this topic tonight. So, um, until next time, I'm Folts. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye. <laughs>